So tonight we, uh, we get to really finish up the series that we've been doing throughout the month of January called Creatures of Habit. And so we said you and I as human beings are creatures of habit. The, the research says, and I don't know how they figured this out, but the research says that like 40% of the decisions that we make, the things that we do every day are like by rote. Like we don't even think about them. They're habits that we don't think about, we just do. And we said the beginning of the year is probably a pretty good time for us to take a step back and look at our lives and evaluate the habits, evaluate the things that we're doing in our lives and what those things are leading us toward. So kind of in a nutshell, what we've said with this series is that what we do little by little, the choices that we make, determine the direction of our lives, right? So what we do, little by little, all the accumulation of our choices determine the direction of our lives. And so we looked at a verse, Galatians chapter 6. I want to read it to us, verses 7 and 8. This is kind of the foundational couple verses for this series. This is what it says. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Here's a truth. Don't be deceived. A man reaps what he sows. If we sow seeds of selfishness and sin, life's going to be really tough, right? Like Life's going to be a mess. But if we sow seeds that honor God, life's going to be full. Life's going to be abundant, and it's going to lead us to eternal life. Eternal life here and now and for eternity. And we said, this is truth. Like, this is reality. This is how God designed it. It doesn't matter if we believe it. It doesn't matter if we accept it. It's still true. It's just how things happen. And so we said, if this is true, then we better be really careful about how we live our lives, right? Like, we better be really careful about the choices that we make every day. And are our choices leading us to eternal life, to abundant life here and now, and eternal life forever? Or are our choices leading us to destruction? That's what we've been looking at throughout this series. And so we've looked at that in a few different ways. Like, what are these habits that we instill in our lives? And so we've looked at the habit of Scripture meditation, Bible and Scripture meditation, right? So not just reading the Bible, but thinking about it and applying it to our lives. We looked last week, actually, at the habit of prayer. Like, what, what is prayer? What does prayer look like? Pastor Dan led us in that last week. A couple weeks ago, we looked at biblical community. Like, what does it look like for us to open up our lives, to, have, to be in the practice of opening up my life to other people in deep relationship? Well, tonight, I want to look at um, a habit that we probably don't talk about in church very often, but I'm, I'm pretty passionate about in my own life, and it's the habit of physical self-discipline. Physical self-discipline. I'm passionate about it, because I found to be true in my own life that my physical self-disciplines are directly related to my spiritual and emotional health. Like the things that I do physically, right, in regards to my body and my life, have a very intentional and clear effect on my life spiritually and my life emotionally. I'm pretty passionate about this. I'm excited to, get, to dig into it. So see if, see if you do this. I, I may be the only one, although I suspect I'm not. See if you can relate to this. Here's what I do. This has happened numerous times in my life. So I'll wake up in the morning, go take a shower, get out of the shower, brush my teeth. Eventually, I look in a mirror. It takes a while, but eventually, I look in a mirror. I've got to shave my head. Actually, I use two mirrors. I've got to have a front and back, right? So eventually, I look in the mirror, and I look in the mirror, and I go, man, like, I'm getting not so slim, right? And I go, where did that 
extra roll come from that I'm seeing, you know? Or, or when did my abs turn into flabs? You know, when did this happen? And when did my belly button become this bottomless pit, you know? Like, I look at myself, and I'm like, whoa. Like, I'm not really liking what I'm seeing, right? And so I sit up back, and I say, okay, I got I to gotta change this. I got I to gotta start eating better. I got to start doing better with this. And for me, exercise is not the thing. Like, I exercise a lot, four to five times a week, intense exercise. Exercise is not the thing. That's not the problem. But the reality is you can't out-exercise a bad diet, Right? Like you, this is true. I don't even know this or not. You cannot out-exercise a bad diet. I've tried it. That's actually going to be on my tombstone. Here lies Jeff Martell. He couldn't out-exercise a bad diet. Like that, that could very well be. I love me some pizza, some hamburgers, some tacos. Almost every Saturday night, we stop at Taco Bell on the way home. It's bad. I'm confessing. This is like my confessional time to you guys. I love ice cream. I love cake. Like, you get the picture. I love all that stuff. So eventually, I look in the mirror, and I'm like, oh, I'm not liking what I'm seeing. I need to make some changes here. And so I, think, I, I make the decision. I'm like, I am going to stop eating garbage. And I think I'm going to start eating right. I got to go on a what? A diet, right? And I think, like, what's a good diet to go on? What are the right things for me to eat? Well, probably when we think about that, most of our minds go to the same place. When I think, like, what am I supposed to eat? Probably all of us naturally think, well, what did the cavemen eat? Right? Like, what did, the, what did those, those ripped men and women with slope, large sloping foreheads from the Paleolithic era, what did they eat? Well, they ate meat and nuts and seeds and fruit and vegetables and eggs and all those things. I'm going to eat what they ate. I'm going to eat paleo. You guys heard of the paleo diet? This is what it is. It's the caveman diet, okay? Because for some reason, we all want to look like cavemen, right? So I go, that's it. I'm going to do it. I don't like what I see. I'm going to go on the paleo diet. I'm going to live like a caveman. And so I go for it. And then, like, pretty quickly, I start to see some results. Like, the little, my, my, my fat roll gets a little bit smaller, right? My, my flabs start to look a little bit more like abs. I can start to see the bottom of my belly button, right? I start to get a little confidence. I'm feeling good about myself, walking a little taller. It's still not that tall, but I walk a little taller. I got a little strut, right? Somebody comes up to me and I'm like, Jeff, man, you look like you're losing weight. Have you been losing weight? And I said, yes, thank you. Thank you for noticing. I've been eating like a caveman, right? <laughs> feeling good. Life is good. Well, then one day I go into work, and I walk by the counter, and there on the counter are Jubilee Donuts, or jiggly donuts, as my son calls them, because they make you jiggly, right? And so I walk by the donuts first. You know, I see them over there. I just walk right by. I am strong. No temptation at all, right? Strong like, strong like caveman, right? No temptation at all. Go to my desk, sit down. At some point, I need a cup of coffee. So I get up. I go to the counter, get a cup of coffee. They're right there. Out of the corner of my eye, I'm looking at the, the jiggly donuts, right? Just looking at them, pouring my coffee. I'm still strong. I'm not going to do it. Go back to my desk. Eventually, the coffee does what coffee does. I got to go to the bathroom. I got to walk by the counter again. This time, I can't take my eyes off the donuts as I walk by the counter. Anybody else experience any of this stuff? I can't take my eyes off, but I'm strong. I don't give in to it. I go to the bathroom. I come back, and I think, ah, you know what? Just a half a donut, right? Like, this is what we do. Just a half a donut. So I take my knife, and I, and I cut it in half, and I might even take the small half, Right? So I eat my donut, I take it back to my desk, I, I eat my donut, I drink my coffee, and I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And then I start thinking, I should probably just have that other half, you know? Like, it's lonely over there. Who's going to eat another half a donut? So I go back, and I eat the other half. 
And then one donut turns into two. Two turns into three. Three turns into four. Usually four is my cutoff. Like usually four is where I stop. And then I start feeling guilty, you know? Like I said, I'm like, man, why did I do that? I'm feeling really convicted. And I go, you know what? It's just, it's just four donuts, right? It's just four donuts. It's not, that's like 200 calories, right? Right? <laughs> I go, I'm going to recommit. I'm going to do this. So I recommit. So I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to do it anymore until I get to dinner time. And I'm on my way home. And I think, you know what? I don't want Marsha to have to cook dinner tonight. I'll just stop and get some pizza for the kids, for the kids. And then about six pieces in, I'm right back to where I started. Paleo's out the window. I'm all done. Anybody else ever experience this, or is it just me? Thank you, honest people. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Why? Like, why, why does this happen? Why does our physical, do our physical self-disciplines get blown up so often? Like, why does that happen? And, and don't just think narrowly about blown diets. Like, think about the discipline of getting up early to get things done. That's a physical discipline, right? For some people, that comes very naturally, right? For other people, that's quite a chore, right? Think about the discipline of going to bed early to get enough sleep. Probably very few of us get enough sleep, right? Think about the discipline of, of keeping alcohol intake in check, right? Think about the discipline of exercising regularly. Think about the discipline of flossing my teeth. I get yelled at by the dentist every time because I just cannot floss my teeth every day, okay? Stop judging me. Jeez. Just kidding. Why do so many of us struggle with this? Like, Why do so many of us struggle with these habits of physical self-discipline, and why do they get blown up so many times in our lives? And let me ask you this. How important is taking care of ourselves physically anyways? Like, how important is creating good physical habits? I mean, this is church, right? We talk about the soul. We don't even, we, maybe this isn't even appropriate for us to talk about. How important to God is it, our, our physical habits of self-discipline in our lives? And what should be our motivation? This is a great question. Like, what should be our motivation for our habits of physical self-discipline? What should motivate me? Like, what should drive me to do those things? And are there healthy things that drive us, and are there unhealthy things that can drive us? And then lastly, how do I create those good habits in my life? Like, how do I create good, healthy, physical habits in my life? Well, these are the questions that I think are really relevant questions. Like, this is where my mind goes as I think about the habit of physical self-discipline. And so this is what I want to spend our time, the rest of our time, talking about is those four questions. The good news is the Bible has a lot to say about them, a lot to say about them. So what I want to do is I want to flip open the Bible, and I want to look at some of those things. So first question, ready? We're just jump right in. First question, here it is. How does my, how, how does my physical self-discipline get blown up so often? Well, I want you to put your thinking caps on for a second. Here's what I want to do. I want to read you some passages of Scripture. It's like six or seven passages of Scripture. And I want you to listen to these, and I want you to be able to answer the question afterwards, okay? So hopefully after you listen to these, you can go, okay, that's why. Ready? First one is Isaiah chapter 40. This is, this is the longest one, four verses. Here it is. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. 
They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Huh. How about this one? Isaiah 41. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. How about this one? First part of Romans 8, 26. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. 8.37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, through him who loves us. Romans 12.2, the first part, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Jeremiah 17, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Last one, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. But he said to me, so this is Paul talking, God speaking to Paul. God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And he goes on, he says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, listen, I want to I be clear here that not all of these scripture passages are in the context of physical self-discipline, okay? I want to be clear. I, I understand that. I know that. Some are in the context of physical persecution. Some are in the context of prayer. Others are in the context of other things. However, so I know that. However, I am convinced that all of these teach a truth to us that is broadly applied to lots of different areas of our lives, including the physical self-disciplines, Okay? So these are there's different contexts, but they're teaching a truth that's broadly applied to our lives, including the area of physical self-disciplines. So, so any idea how to answer that question? Like, why do these self-disciplines blow up? Well, here's what I get. As I read the Bible, here's the first thing that I understand. I'm weak. I am weak. And so are you. <laughs> you might be stronger than me, or I might be stronger than you, but the truth is we're both still weak. Sometimes we, we're like in awe of people that are stronger than us, you know, like that are, that are really self-disciplined. But the truth is, in the big picture of life, all of us are weak. You guys agree with that? Yeah. So I'm weak, you're weak, in and of ourselves, we are weak, weak people. And so often, please hear this, so often I exclude God and the power that he offers me. For some reason, I am weak, I can't do it on my own. And then I go, no, God, I don't need you. You probably don't really care about this. And I try to do it on my own anyway, right? Think about the physical self-disciplines in your life that you've tried to instill that didn't last, like whatever it might be, whether it's I, I want to I get up early every day and do da-da-da-da-da. I want to exercise five days a week and do da-da-da-da-da. Let me ask you this. Did you invite God to be a part of it? Like, th- think about it in your life. The ones that failed... Did you invite God to be a part of them, or did you just try to do them in your own strength? See, for some reason, with some of these physical self-disciplines, we think that this is like the exception to the rule in Christian life. Like, this is the one thing that we don't really need to depend on God with. I just, I just got to do it myself, right? So uh, I want to come to the Lord more in prayer. I'm going to ask God for his help. I want to read the Bible more and get to know God's heart better. I'm going to ask God for help. I want to be more generous and serving with other people, my time, my talents, help others. I'm going to ask God for help. I want to be a part of biblical community. I want to be in deep relationships. I need courage to open up my life to others. Ask God for help. I want to take care of my body by eating better and exercising regularly and getting enough sleep. I'm going to knuckle down. I'm going to do it myself. Like, why 
do we do that? Why, why do we think that this is the exception to the rule? Don't God's promises still apply to us? Remember Romans 8, I just read, the Spirit, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Doesn't the Spirit help us in our physical weaknesses too? Somehow we, we seem to exclude those. It's silly to suggest not, and yet somehow we often forget that, that God is our strength, right? In our weakness, we need to lean on him. We need to look to him. So, so why do my physical self-disciplines get blown up so often? Well, I'm weak, and I don't invite God to be a part of it. Like, as, I, as I look at my own life and how many times like my uh, blown paleo diet, like I just explained, that's exactly what I experienced. I know I'm weak in myself, and I don't invite God into it. So let's dig a little bit deeper. How about the second question? How important is it anyway to take care of ourselves physically and create these good physical self-disciplines? Like, how important is all this physical stuff to God anyway? Well, I'd argue it's really important. I'd argue it's really important. You know why? Because of what God says through Paul in a, a book called 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This is what he says. We'll put it up on the screen. I'm kind of jumping around a lot tonight, so we're going to throw everything up on the screen. But this is what it says. It says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. God tells us to honor him with our bodies because our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. What in the world does that mean? Listen, this is, this is absolutely amazing. Like, just think about this and allow this to just blow your mind. When you and I make a decision to follow Jesus, when we commit to him, God not only gives us the promise of eternal life, but he also gives us his very spirit to live inside of us. And I don't know how that is. I can't explain that. But the Bible tells us that the very power that raised Jesus from the dead, this is what it says in Romans 8, the very power that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of you and me. That is absolutely incredible. Like, think about the implications of that for your life. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So just like the Spirit of God was in the Jewish tabernacle, the Jewish temple in much of the Old Testament, God's Spirit now lives inside of us lives inside of our bodies, just like the temple. So in the Old Testament, there are all sorts of rules and things that you were and weren't supposed to do in the temple. Why? Because the temple was so special in and of itself? No, that's not why. Because God's Spirit was there. That's what made the temple special. God's Spirit was inside the temple. And so the temple became very important. You should read about this in the Old Testament. The temple became very important. God literally, His Spirit resided in the temple, and so it became very important. And what went on inside the temple and around the temple became very important. Listen, it's the same thing with us and our bodies. It's the same thing with us and our bodies. My body in and of itself, I mean, it's... uh, my wife might argue, but it's worthless, right? <laughs> but it's worthless, right? It's going to be dirt one day. It's going to be gone. That's why you go to a lot of uh, funeral services, and they'll say something like, from dust you are and to dust you will return, right? That's from Genesis chapter 3. Our bodies kind of in and of themselves are pretty worthless, but because of your spirit, and the Holy Spirit living inside of you, if you're a follower of Jesus, our bodies and what we do with our bodies are actually very, very important. His spirit and our spirit 
are what give importance to our body, right? So what does that mean to honor God with our bodies? Like, think about that. What does it mean for you and I to honor God with our bodies? Well, does it mean that I shouldn't smoke as a habit? Smoking is bad for your body. Probably shouldn't smoke as a habit, right? It's not good for your body. Does that mean that God hates us if we smoke? Heavens no. Heavens no. That's probably better if we didn't, right? It's probably better for our bodies. Does it mean that I shouldn't drink excessively because it hurts my body? Probably shouldn't drink excessively, right? It's not good for our body. It's not good for our mind as well. It's not good for our heads the next day, right? But it also means that I shouldn't go, 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 go and never rest. That's not good for my body either. God made our bodies needing rest. That's very important. And, And God made my spirit to need my body to rest. My spirit connects with God's spirit when I slow down, right? Rest is really important for us. It also means a a donut, pizza, hamburger diet that I talked about earlier is probably not a real good thing either, right? We know what that does to our bodies. My my temple gets a little bit bigger, right? Yeah. So, Jeff, are you saying that, that I shouldn't ever have a glass of wine or a beer, or a cigar, or a donut, or not get enough sleep. Is that what you're saying? That sounds pretty hypocritical. That's not what I'm saying. It's not actually, actually not at all what I'm saying. I think God gives us a lot of freedom in this world. But here's the issues. Ready? These are the issues. These are the questions that we should be asking ourselves when we're thinking about these things. Like, what's okay to experience with my body and what's not? First, three questions. Here's the first one. Am I enjoying these things to the glory of God? God gives us so much freedom, you know? Am I enjoying these things? Am I utilizing my freedom to the glory of God, or am I doing it for myself? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Am I doing these things for God's glory? Am I enjoying them to God's glory, or am I doing it out of my sin and my selfishness? That's a good first question to ask. Second question, am I being destructive to my body? Like, am I, am I destroying my body? Many things don't destroy our body in small doses, but in large doses, they do. They hurt us. Chemo, chemotherapy is a great example of that. Chemotherapy in small doses is very helpful for eradicating cancer, but chemotherapy in large doses will kill you, right? In, in the Bible, like for example, it doesn't uh, condemn alcohol consumption. Nowhere in the Bible does it condemn that. In fact, Jesus drank alcohol. What it condemns is overconsumption, right? Getting drunk, taking too much of it. In small doses, it's fine, unless, of course, you have an addiction to it, which leads to our third question. So first one, am I enjoying these things to the glory of God? Am I, is it being destructive to my body? Third question, am I being enslaved by it? Am I being enslaved by it? By me partaking, indulging in it? Is it enslaving me? Does it have control over me? Is it determining what I do in my day? Is it determining my schedule, my priorities? This is what happens with addictions, right? doesn't matter what kind of addiction it is. It could be drugs, alcohol, sex, CrossFit addiction. That's a real thing too, right? When we're enslaved to it, it kind of controls us. So, so taking care of my body is important. Why? Because my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And my body is used, is meant to be honoring to him. That's what my body is for, to honor God. This leads to our next question. 
what should be my motivation for instilling these kind of habits? This this is so huge, guys. This is so important for us to understand, and it's so countercultural. What, what, let me ask you a question, what is normally, most naturally, our motivation for our habits of physical self-discipline? Like, think about in your life. Like, what's normally your motivation for doing some sort, creating, starting some sort of physical habit of, of self-discipline? Like, I'm going to, I'll use a diet, for example. I'm going to go on a diet. What's generally my motivation for that? Well, I don't know about you. Sorry, I don't know about you, but mine is me. I want to feel better. I want to look better. I don't want to be sick. I don't like what, how I feel when I'm sick. I don't want to be stressed. I want to impress other people so that I feel better about myself, right? I, 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 me, me, me. But take a step back and try to think about, like, see it through God's eyes. We, we already established that he cares about us. He cares about our habits of physical self-discipline, right? We already established that. He's available to us. He offers us power to establish and maintain these in our lives. Why do you, what do you think he wants our motivator to be? Well, let, let me read you another passage. And as I read it, I want you to see if you can answer that question. What should our motivator be as I read this? Because what motivates Paul here in this passage, is another passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, What motivates Paul in this passage, I think, should be a significant motivator for us as well. So here's what it says. It's Paul writing. He says, Though I'm free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law became like one not having the law, though I myself am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. Then listen to this. I become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Listen, why does Paul do what he does? Like, why does Paul discipline his life to do the things that he does? For others, right? He he does those things for other people so that other people can experience the life-transforming power of the gospel, right? That's what drives him. That's what motivates him. Paul doesn't do those things for himself, right? He doesn't do it, not even close. That's selfishness. He does it for other people. Now stop and think about your life. Just think about your life. Think about some of the physical habits that we've talked about. I want to exercise more regularly. Ask yourself this this question. Like in the the past, think about ones that, that you've done that haven't worked, right? Was it mostly about you or was it mostly about others? Like was it mostly about, I I feel like I want to do this. It's for me. I want to be healthier. I want to be da 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 da. Or was it I want to be able to make a difference in other people's lives. If I'm honest, all about me comes pretty naturally for me. Like, I I don't have to work at that. Like, that comes pretty naturally in my life. But God doesn't want us to live that way. God doesn't want us to live with ourselves as a priority. Our culture does. That's what our culture tells us. You're great. You're You're worth it. You deserve it. Like every shampoo commercial, right? You're worth it. You deserve this shampoo. Our culture tells us that right and left, all around us, right? 
But Jesus says this. This is what he says. Think about how different this is. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. He says, the greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Listen, am I seeking to instill healthy habits of physical self-discipline in my life so that I could be used more effectively in the lives of others? Or am I doing it for myself? Guys, this is, this is a shift in thinking, I'll bet for a lot. It is for me. Am I doing these things for myself? Or am I doing it so God can make me more effective in the lives of others? That is a great question. I would encourage you to think about that and pray about that. As an aside, like one of my favorite shows on TV uh, is The Biggest Loser. I'm getting a little sick of it because it's like the 30th season of it, and I watch every season religiously. But I love watching these people's lives change. So like during the course of a season, I think it's like a six-month sort of thing, they, they not only lose an incredible amount of weight, but like every other part of their life has changed too. And so I love to see these stories. But one thing that I've noticed as I watch this is that the people that have the lasting change, you know, a lot of times I do like follow-up shows, like where are they now, right? The people that have lasting change where they don't put the weight back on, they're not the people who said, I'm finally going to do it for myself. I'm worth it. I'm going I'm to lose the weight. Da-da-da-da. That's not the people that keep it off generally. The people that keep it off are the ones that go, I want to be here for my son. I don't want to die when I'm 40 years old. I want to be here for my daughter. I want to be here for my wife. It's interesting. Those are the ones that keep the weight off, generally. So so what's my motivation for physical self-discipline? Well, it's not primarily for me, but so that I can be used effectively for God in the lives of other people. That's the, that's the first motivation. Here's the second one. This is something else that motivates Paul to create these healthy habits of physical self-discipline and I think should motivate us too. Here's what it is. His own personal growth with Jesus. This, I think, guys, this should be our second reason, our motivation for creating healthy physical habits my personal spiritual growth with Jesus. Stay with me here, because I think this can be a little bit confusing. So what's my motivation? So that I can be used more effectively in the lives of others. Why else? For my spiritual growth with Jesus, which sounds a little counterintuitive. Like, how can me doing physical things impact me spiritually? Like, how does that work out together? Well, listen to what Paul says. So this is, I'm just kind of going on from the last passage I read in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul goes on, and this is what he says. Catch this. He says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore... I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body. Another translation says, I beat my body into submission. I like that. I strike a blow to my body. I beat my body in submission and make it a slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Listen, why does Paul beat his body into submission? Well, one, to help other people experience the life-transforming power of the gospel. That's one. But two, to make sure that he's not disqualified from the process. 
to make sure that he's growing in his love and his passion for Jesus. That's what he means by, so that I won't get disqualified. He's living this way. He's disciplining himself. He's beating his body into submission to help him grow in his relationship with Jesus. Physical self-discipline can actually be a means for you and I to become more godly. I I really believe this with all my heart. How? How can physical self-discipline help me to become more godly? Well, because it teaches me self-control. That's a a gift of the Spirit, right? Physical self-discipline teaches me self-control. It allows me to resist the things that I might want to do in my flesh, but I know aren't good for me. And instead, do the things that I know are best for me, even when I might not really want to do them. You know, probably the the biggest reason that... So this is not a commercial for CrossFit. Please hear that. I know that can be annoying. This is not a commercial for CrossFit. But I, 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 I do CrossFit regularly, and here's the why. Here's why. Here's the reason. Really, two reasons. First one is it allows me to connect with guys. Like, I rarely work out by myself. I usually invite guys over because it's a great way to just bond with guys, like sweating together, stinking it up together, a great way to get to know guys. That's one reason. The second reason is that because I like being in the habit of doing something really hard that I don't like to do, right? (laughs) Something really hard that I don't want to do, but I know is good for me in the big picture. I like being in that habit and having the strength then to not do the things that I may be tempted to do, but I know in the big picture are not good for me. Like, I would rather be sitting on my couch eating ice cream, watching a basketball game, right? I like to exercise because it teaches me self-control. It helps me make good decisions and do hard things I'd really rather not do. And that, guys, translates over to my spiritual life so easy, so easy, because there's lots of sinful things. This is true for pastors and everybody else. There's lots of sinful things that I'm tempted to do every single day that I know are not good for me and break God's heart. And I want to have the strength that God offers me to say no to those things and instead say yes to the things that I know will help me grow in my relationship with him. Physical self-discipline helps me that way. It teaches me self-control. So, so last question. I know I'm, I'm running a little long. I got I to gotta finish here. Last question. I think I could be kind of quick with this. How, how do I create these habits in my life? Like, how do I do it? How do I make these a part of my life? Well, I, just think about what we've talked about so far. I think I would do what we've talked about. You know, I, I, I try not to do it on my own, first of all. I know I'm weak. Instead, I'd invite Jesus to be a part of it. I'd cry. I would confess to him over and over and over again that I can't do it on my own. And I would depend on him for his power to help me commit to it. That's the first thing that I would do. The second thing, I would remember that my body's a temple of God. I would remember that God's spirit is living inside of me, and because his spirit is living inside of me, I need to take care of the temple. He tells me to. That's the second thing I do. The third thing, I think about others, right? Like, it's very natural for me to think, I got to do these things for me. What a paradigm shift in thinking to think, I got to do these things, and it's going to help me be able to connect with other people in powerful ways so that they can experience the power of the gospel in their lives too. And you got to be creative with this. But I promise you, if you pray about this, 
and say, God, show me how if I make decisions to um, get more rest, how that will allow me to connect with other people. God, show me if I make a decision that I want to eat better, how that will allow me to connect with other people and bond with them. If I want to get up earlier in the morning, God, show me what I can do during that time. I can pray for people. I can write notes of encouragement to people, right? Like, think about others. That's the third thing that I would do. The last thing that I would do is uh, I would think about how this draws me closer to Jesus. Like, how, how is this habit developing the gift of self-control in me, the fruit of self-control in me, and how is it drawing me closer to Jesus? That's where I would start in trying to instill these things into my life. So I, w- I want to say this. As we, as we wrap up this series, so this is the, the last sermon in this series. As we wrap up this series, I want to say a couple things. Words like habits, habits, and disciplines can be really dangerous words for us because we can take them the wrong way if we're not careful. The goal isn't to instill a habit or discipline in your life or my life. That's not the goal. That's not the goal. Actually, engaging in any of these is pretty much worthless in and of itself. Just making these a habit in your life are not particularly helpful spiritually. The only value that any of these habits have is if they help us connect with Jesus. Like, that's the only value that any of these things have. The habit's not the big deal. The discipline's not the big deal. Connecting with Jesus is the big deal. All these things are are tried and true, tried and proven ways that help us connect with Jesus. But see, here's the key. The key is our heart. With any of these things, whether it's prayer, Bible reading, being a part of community, fasting, physical self-disciplines, any of those, the key is our heart. And I think the first question that we need to ask ourselves is, is my heart committed to Jesus? Like, that's, that's where it all starts for us. Like, all of this conversation tonight is for naught. It's meaningless if we don't start there. And we say, is my heart connected to him? Man, he loves us. Like, I don't know where you guys are all at tonight, but, I mean, he loves you right where you're at, right for who you are. The question is, do you love him? Do you trust him? Do, you, do we recognize how, how frail and weak we are and how much we're in need of forgiveness? And have we accepted the forgiveness that God offers us through Jesus? Have we accepted his grace in our lives? That's, that's the very first question. That is foundational to all of this. And I want to say this. If you're here tonight and you know, you're just not sure, you know, you've not made that commitment in your life, first of all, let me say this. It's so good that you're here and you're safe. No one's going to make you do anything you don't want to do or pressure you in some unhealthy way. Please know that. But second, like we're here for you. Like if you got questions, maybe you got questions rolling around in your head. We'd love to try to help you with those questions. You can write it on a connection card. You can send an email to the church. You could call us. You can find one of us in the hallway afterward. But we love to try to help you make that decision, right? So that's the first thing. If you've already given your heart to God, the only way that these habits are going to be effective as tools for you is if, if you connect through them, you connect your heart with God's heart. That's it. That's the only way these things are going to be effective. See, Christianity is not fundamentally about do's and don'ts. You know, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. Sometimes we get it twisted in our mind. We think that's what Christianity is. It's just morality. No, it's not. 
Christianity fundamentally is about a relationship with the living God of the universe through his son, Jesus Christ, and having his spirit who's living inside of us transform us from the inside out. That's what Christianity is fundamentally about. And these habits that we've been talking about week after week are a means to help us experience that and help us grow in that. And so my prayer for you and my prayer for me is that we would use some of these, that we would incorporate some of these into our lives and connect with God in a much, much deeper way.